Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And i got another great show for you today. This is a, a wonderful opportunity. Uh, you never know who is going to drop in to the Catholic Cafe. Uh, and today we have a wonderful guest. It's Father Anthony Brausch. Uh, and he's a priest for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. He's an instructor in philosophy. Now, don't tune out yet. Don't everybody change the radio dials and look for some kind of uh, more interesting program, because this is going to be a good one. Uh, he's an instructor in philosophy. He's also a member of the uh, formation faculty at uh, Mount St. Mary's Seminary of the West, and uh, it's in, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Father Anthony, welcome to the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. Thank you very much, Deacon. Very good to be here. and. Uh Sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. Yeah, it's good coffee, isn't it? Uh, it's not bad. That's not right, bad. not bad at all. And right, the price a... isn't bad either. <laughs> yeah, we always serve our guests. The first one's free. That's right. <laughs> yeah, after that you're going to have to pay. Um, so uh, I warn people that, uh, you know, we're talking about you uh, being an instructor in philosophy. Right. And I right. uh, said, don't worry, that's not what we're necessarily going to focus on today. No, because, you know, philosophy really is just in service of the faith. There you go. So we instruct, you know, seminarians in philosophy and give them a background so that they can think clearly and they can think hopefully concisely about the things that the church teaches, believes, and to be able to do that in such a way that's going to help others come to believe, understand their faith better, and hopefully help them to use their mind as God intended them to use it. Yeah, beautiful. That's the that's a very good summation of what of where philosophy fits into it. Sure. Yeah. Now, uh, what we wanted to talk about is you had an interesting experience that sort of brought this whole uh, idea of maybe the habit of faith to mind, and you had an experience with a, a young lady who had presented yeah, herself. Yeah, just just recently, a uh, young lady called, and she's applying for a scholarship to a Catholic college, and they had asked her to write a short essay on why God would reserve the priesthood to men only. And so she's supposed to reflect on that. And in talking to her, she, you know, really didn't have anywhere to turn, nowhere to, in terms of the books. She was kind of at a loss. I got to admit, there are a lot of people who are probably listening who probably have thought about that question and said, well, you know, I don't know how I would answer that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and she was in the same boat. We sat down and we talked about it. And as we talked about it, and I explained to her certain things about what the church teaches on that what became apparent was, and this is something that you know, any priest, deacon, someone who works with people in terms of the church's teaching and belief, any of these people come into contact with this, what we're really having to struggle with is the idea of how faith comes into play, especially in these areas of difficult questions or areas in theology, what right. the church believes, that we might not you know, have a great explanation for. So if I can't really understand it, or if I don't really buy the explanation, do I have to believe it? How you does know, faith work? That's in very that interesting context? that you would even you would even bring that up because this whole idea of faith usually is the last thing that we investigate, isn't it? Oh yeah. A lot of times people will write away. You'll have this fired up person who's got his sixteen volume set of this or that uh, um, theological discussion series, and and they'll be thumping the Bible. And you know all of these passages that show you why uh, Christ right. only chose twelve and, and uh, men, and 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 why that there's only an ordained male priesthood and maybe they're sort of missing the boat at some point by not including 
or at least precipitating everything on this discussion of faith first. Yeah, because the question about the faith actually is a question of how is it we go about saying yes, giving assent to something. So we have different ways of operating. So if we're in the world, we operate by this methodology. Someone says, you should believe this. So I then investigate, gather the evidence, and then use whatever abilities I have to try to pull it together and to see whether what was said is justified, right. whether it's been demonstrated such that I can say, okay, I can buy that. But faith doesn't work that way. St. Thomas Aquinas speaks about this in his Summa Theologica in the uh, second part of the second part. And it's very interesting what he says because the question is asked, if I don't believe one of the tenets of the faith, if I don't believe one of the doctrines of the church, do I still have faith? Yeah. And he says, in a sense, no, because faith is actually a habit. We call it the virtue of faith. And virtues are really ways of exercising a certain ability, a power. So virtue is a power, an right. ability to do something. And the virtue of faith is the ability to believe, but based on not my abilities to, to rationalize, understand, provide a justification for. It's really the gift that's given us the ability to believe because of the one who gives it. So Aquinas would say that if if you had certain doctrines or teachings of, a, of, of the church that you had problems with and chose not to believe, in other words, you said no here, would you still have faith? He would say no, because you basically that's like a kink in the armor. That's like a well, weak link right. in the chain or, well, or something you, like that. Well, you've done what he would say is what you've done is decided to operate or to use a different method of assenting, of saying yes to something than the one that we use when we exercise faith. So we could say, you know, we have a, a scientific methodology right. that we use in the world of science and in everyday life and in many times what we read in the papers, this, that, and the other. So we use that methodology. But it really doesn't apply to when we enter into the realm of faith because this one over here, the methodology of science, is about somebody proving something to us. Right. Whereas... The one in faith is about believing because God's revealed it. You know, that's very interesting. You should point that out because while you were saying that, I was sitting there thinking, well, you know, let's look at one of the greatest acts of faith, uh, you know, in the, the first chapter of, of the Gospel of Luke. Mm -hmm. You know, Mary's fiat, her yes. When she says yes, you don't read that she, well, she went home. And she did some research. She got, you know, on Google, she Googled this whole right. Gabriel and God and, and uh, pregnancy without uh, right. a, a, a human male partner. And she didn't do all that. She didn't research that. She didn't even necessarily right. go and ask all her friends what they thought and then try to reason together. That this, this would be possible yes. or God would actually act in this way. She didn't say to herself, oh, no, God would be much more respective of, you know, the natural way of things happening. So this couldn't possibly happen. No. What, for the Blessed Mother, what we see in that is the fact that she already had an understanding based on her relationship with God, right. the one whom she trusts. You know, and the Catechism reflects this um, very idea. I believe it's uh, paragraph 156, if we could get the... Is that waitress having a That's a right. We'll, we'll, we'll have the waitress bring the, uh, the catechism over here. There we go. That's good. All right, let's go to 156 and we'll see what 156 right. has to say. 
What moves us to believe is not the fact that revealed truths appear as true and intelligible in the light of our natural reason. We believe because of the authority of God himself who reveals them, who can neither deceive nor be deceived. Exactly. That's awesome. It is because it points out that we believe not because it necessarily makes sense in terms of we can explain it, but we believe because we trust the one who's doing the revealing, God himself. But that doesn't mean that faith is opposed to reason. Oh, no. You know, I like to say that, um, you know, faith is not irrational, but it's more than reason. Right. It's the placing of oneself in the context of a relationship with God, in the Holy Spirit, such that the revelation that God has given us through his Son and through his church, we can say yes to, even if our own intellectual abilities don't allow us to fully understand or explain what it is that God's revealed. So then where does this idea of of the habit of faith come in? I mean, obviously you can have a one faith-filled experience and you think you're there. Right. But what does this mean by, what do you mean by a habit of faith? The habit would be just like anything that we exercise. If you don't exercise it, it becomes weaker. If you exercise, it becomes stronger. So it's, it's, in a sense, a theological muscle. It's a faith muscle. And you exercise it. And the way that you exercise it is to be continually, in a certain sense, attentive to how humble we are before what God reveals to us. So in our daily walk, you know, if, if every day I'm trying to become more aware of how the Lord's calling me and I'm trying to be humble and let go of certain things, whether in my own life or in relationships and that type of thing, And so we develop this habit of walking in faith, trusting in God for these small things, but then on the big questions as well, you know, what happens after death, you know, all those aspects of the faith that that we take for granted, but are really about us entering into that ever-deepening trust, that walk with the Lord day in and day out. So that's really... That that whole concept of of habitual, you know, it can be... Um, a good thing, That's and right. it can be a bad thing. We, we we see all the time in our catechism about sins that have become habitual. habitual. We bec- we become those things by virtue of doing them That's exactly over right. and over again. So we become right. that. So you're saying if you want to have a habit of faith by exercising that faith muscle, as you, as you call right. it, over and over again, the more you do that, the, really the easier it becomes. And the more you become faithful, right. the more faith becomes you. That's right. Exactly. And we don't really have a choice in terms of developing habits. We're going to develop habits whether we want to That's or not. That's our nature. That's, That's our what nature. We do. That's right. So we're either going to choose to develop habits that help to grow our faith and our exercise of that faith, or we're going to develop habits that diminish it, that weaken it. Well, are there any sort of quick words of wisdom to someone who's wanting to exercise that faith muscle a little bit more and maybe... Uh, step into a realm maybe they're not sure of that they've been, I don't want to say unfaithful up to now, but they've been unwilling to commit themselves fully to a faithful experience with God. Well, I would say on the practical level uh, to take a look at your life and see what areas you need to exercise control and then focus on that. Ask God for the grace to begin to let go of some of that control. So to, to let go of some of our planning, our motivation, our hopes, expectations, and if we can choose just a couple small areas to do that in and to turn it over to the Lord, 
and to get ourselves get ourselves out of the drama right. of always planning, having to have it this way, being disappointed when it doesn't happen, all those things. But you know, we're, we live in a time when the world says, no, no, you are the master of your domain. Exactly. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You need to do all this stuff for yourself. Don't right. rely on anyone else. And sometimes yeah. we fall into the trap of thinking, yeah, it's good that we, we shouldn't give welfare or we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't do that because people need to learn to do things on their own. It's like, well, but that's not always the right way to look at that, is it? No, it isn't because uh, the idea of for the Christian is we don't create ourselves. We're in a, we are in a relationship in which the Lord and we create ourselves. So we're, we're not the prime player in that drama. Right. I mean, that, it's the Lord who's going to help us, show us who he calls us to be, give us the grace to become that person. And we're the ones, though, that actively pursue that. Words of wisdom, not always easy to do, but life is a challenge sometimes for us, isn't it, Father? And that's a good thing. And <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good thing. Helps build the muscles, that's right? right? That's, that's right. That's right. No pain, no gain. That's exactly well, right. Well, these are great discussions so far we've had about, about the habit of faith and growing in faith. Uh, we're going to talk about more about that. Before we do that, I do want to uh, remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I'd love you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we have a lot of faith that you're going to come back right after this. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. The world has long wrestled with belief in God, belief in a supreme and loving creator who transcends all things, all spaces, and all time. And countless words of wisdom have been written through the ages by Catholic and non-Catholic thinkers alike about the meaning, importance, and construct of faith. American writer and poet Elizabeth York Case writes, There is no unbelief. Whoever plants a seed beneath the sod and waits to see it push away the clod, he trusts in God. St. Thomas Aquinas, doctor of the church, writes, To one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. If a man wishes to be sure of the road he treads on, St. John of the Cross tells us, he must close his eyes and walk in the dark. Faith, says Helen Keller, is the strength by which a shattered world shall emerge into the light. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt writes, He who loses money loses much. He who loses a friend loses much more. He who loses faith loses all. St. Augustine, early father of the church, reminds us, Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. In St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus himself speaks of the great power and promise of this gift of faith. He tells us, For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. As defined in our Sunday Visitor's Catholic Dictionary, faith is the first of the theological virtues. Together with hope and love, faith brings about the life of sanctifying grace in the human person. Faith is truly a gift from God. We cannot manufacture it or create it out of nothing. It is not a faucet that we can turn on or off. 
No, it is indeed a beautiful and precious gift given out of love to each of us from God. And by definition, because it is a gift, it must be received. And once received, it must be nurtured, tended, cared for, cultivated, and developed. Faith must be lived or it will die. It is only in living a life of faith that we are truly alive. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. I'm still Deacon Jeff, and I'm still sitting here with Father Anthony. Father Anthony is the priest for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, who we've been speaking with this last 15 minutes or so, talking about the habit of faith. Now, you know, you started this thing off talking about this young lady who presented herself, uh, mm-hmm. looking for this, uh, the answers, the easy answers for her paper uh, right. on, on ordaining women to the priesthood or why that would not be appropriate in, in Catholic teaching. What became of that? Is it, is it resolved? Is everything all hunky-dory now? Well, she had to write an essay on that. And to tell you the truth, I've not seen the essay. So I don't know how that's all come together for her. I just know that when she left, she realized that there was more to the question than what she had originally thought. And many different facets or aspects that she hadn't thought about. So, you know, the thing is, for someone like that, for the individual, the process of, of thinking about the faith takes on a number of different pieces, one of which is to struggle with it, to understand and to do the best we can in terms of right. just allowing the Lord to work with our brains. And realizing it's not going to be necessarily easy. Not it's the, not going to be black that, and white, cut and dried. Exactly. Not necessarily easy, not necessarily um, cut and dried, or even not, not necessarily something that we're going to understand. Right. And well, we then, have to be. Oh, oh, here comes that whole mystery thing. You know, with sister, right. sister in, in class, you know, would say, it's a I'm mystery. sorry, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> and as Augustine said, um, if you understand it, it's not God. That's right. That's simply and well put. Yeah. But not everything's going to be easy. And, and especially in realization of the fact that our, our universal Catholic church is worldwide. You have all these people. And, and the church's teachings are not, uh, it's not like reading the rules of Monopoly. Right, and there's like 14 rules, and you follow these rules, and everything's great. You go to heaven. That's right. It's very complex. There's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of inhaling and exhaling. There's lots of room in there for discussion, and 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 you do get a lot of dissension, right? You get a lot of dissension, but you also get another dynamic that comes into play. Um, And not saying that those who dissent this applies to them necessarily. But it's, it's a fact that our moral life, the way that we live that relationship of trust with God, and the way that we make that real and concrete in our life day in and day out, so our moral living affects our ability to believe and understand. St. Paul speaks about this in his letter to the Romans. He also speaks about it in terms of the renewal of our mind. But the renewal of our mind in Christ is linked to are acting in Christ and doing the things of Christ and living that life of holiness that Christ calls us to. I don't, I don't think that anyone would disagree with the point that we live in a world that certainly challenges everything that the church says about morals. I mean, the church is always the 
the, sometimes the lone ranger when it comes to discussions right. about contraception or abortion or uh, taking care of the those who are cast out in society, looking out for the little guy, the vulnerable. And certainly uh, that would mean that there are lots of moral problems out there. So I think this discussion you had about Aquinas earlier about finding the right system yeah, the, for examining all these things is really what's key here. Right, and doing it from the, the standpoint of faith and not a kind of pseudo-faith, you know, where we think we're acting in faith, but actually we're working out of the model that the world presents us in terms of saying yes, of giving our assent. But I, the point, you know, that I think underlies all this in terms of that is maybe important to make here is the fact that what the Lord calls us to in faith, in terms of our intellectual life, but also our moral life, is to freedom. It's towards greater freedom. And the world always presents it as if giving assent to the church intellectually and doing what the Lord calls us to do, what the church teaches us morally, somehow limits our freedom, makes us less free. Yeah, it's restrictive. It's rules. It's keeping you from doing what you want to do. When it actually, it's all structured such that our internal freedom our freedom of spirit is actually increased. And we do experience that. Ask any true believer who practices their faith whether they would give that freedom up that they found in Christ and in his church, if they would give that up for the type of living that the world presents. Absolutely. And they won't. No, of course not. Because they know what freedom actually looks, feels, tastes like. Being a father myself, you know, I'm not the same kind of father that you are, Father Anthony, but... There's nothing more rewarding in an earthly way for me than to have that, that unconditional, faithful, faith-filled love of my child. Yeah. It's a free love that, that my child gives. I don't force my child to love me. Right. And that, that freedom is really what, what, that, what that's all about, that exactly. freedom to do that. Whereas, you know, God could have created a bunch of potted plants. We could have, had, we could have all been those little cardboard, cut-out, life-size people populating this earth where we'd have no freedom. There would be no... Uh, that would be the most constricting thing. Right. Exactly. And the thing is, like you said, in terms of God's creating us, it's so that we are free to love, to give that response back to God in love. And so in terms of both the moral life and the intellectual life, this habit of faith that we try to to work at and develop, this habit of faith out of which we live, is so that we can actually love in greater freedom. Right. And that's, that's the point of it. And then also exercising this faith we become more and more aware of God. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but the reality is That's exactly the right. closer you get yeah. to uh, having faith in something, the more your eyes are open the, That's uh, right. and, the, and the better you are at it. Yeah. And, and it ties in very well with what you said in terms of faith and love and seeing. The fact is you only truly see that which you love. If you don't love it, then you're never going to see it as someone who does love. And, and right, it becomes an object or that's a right. thing or something that you can exactly. put in your little list or tally of these are my right. possessions. That's exactly right. It's when you actually love someone that you don't put them in a category except that who you love. Whereas if you don't have love for them, they're this type of person, they're this type of thing, they agree with me on this, they disagree with me with that. Whereas if you love them, though, you know, they're in a category that's under that it's it's all that so the people who are listening right now i know i guarantee that i'm li- that, that someone who's listening right now is is thinking you know 
but I've got a real problem with what the church teaches about homosexuality, or I've got a real problem with what the church teaches about right. uh, ordination of women to the, to the priesthood. How do we help them now at this point to sort of just sort of well, I'll, I'll tell you, up a little I, bit? I would, um, I would probably say a pretty challenging word to them. I would challenge them on this level. Ask yourself, how much do you love the church as the bride of Christ, as Christ's body? How much do you love the church? Or how much do you love your idea of what the church ought to be? And if you can answer that honestly, you might have a pretty good insight into why some of these teachings that the church offers are, are, are so unpalatable to you, you know, you, that you can't, can't quite chew them. You know? Yeah, and that's where the challenge comes in. That's where people have been taught to believe a certain thing, and then here comes this. Well, that's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Yeah. When he walked onto the scene, right, it wasn't like he was well-received. Well, exactly, and he still and he spoke the word of truth, right? Regardless, because one, as Paul tells us, he's going to remain faithful, even right. if we're unfaithful. Christ right. will be faithful, and he's going to be faithful to the truth of his relationship with the Father, and that's what we're called to, and that's what the church is called to. So she needs to speak that word to be true to herself, right? Whether the world accepts it or not. Well, that's wonderful, and this has been a wonderful opportunity to talk. Uh, more about the importance of faith in in making those making those decisions we have to make every day. This is not really just always. Also, we're not necessarily just talking about those big earth shattering life or death decisions, right? You know, or the great the teachings of the church and these great pillars of truth that we're trying to knock down uh, ourselves. We're also talking about day in and day out kinds right, of decisions because, because you know it is the way that we walk in the world day in and day out. In big and small matters, we either walk by faith or we walk by our own sight. And we all know that if we if we take some little baby steps in the wrong direction, we keep going in that direction and keep going, and all of a sudden we find we're miles away from our destination. That's right. Those baby steps are very important. So the little decisions that's right. How uh, you fall start. into this system of exactly. faith as well, habit as well. Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you taking the opportunity to talk oh, to my us. Pleasure. This my is pleasure. Great. And I hope that folks who are listening uh, will be blessed by this a little bit and just maybe open up a little bit to having faith and realizing that there is a God out there, a God that's greater than us, that, that loves us and wants us to come and be with him uh, for all eternity. And a trust in the church. That the church is God's bride That's a, the, and, and teaches. Right. It's God's voice That's to right. us. Uh, and and the, the living experience of right. God is, you know, Jesus said he would be with us always to the end of the age. And, yeah. and promised to send the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. You so, know, if, if God and God did save the world through an individual man, we shouldn't be so surprised that God might continue to bring that salvation to the world through a church. You know, his body made up of individual people as well. Beautifully put, beautifully put. Father Anthony, thank you so much for visiting us here in the Catholic Cafe. Uh, would you do us the honor of maybe offering a, a little blessing for our listeners, a little sure. prayer? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gift of faith in your Son. We ask you that you send your Holy Spirit upon us to strengthen our hearts, to enlighten our minds, that we might walk ever closer and more humbly in your service. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. 